0: in some surprising ways in the Old Testament. Uh, and if you're looking, you can find Jesus all over the Old Testament. It's kind of like how R2-D2 shows up. You know, R2-D2 from Star Wars, are we tracking? R2-D2 from Star Wars shows up in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Trek and Transformers. But in this case, it's Jesus <laughs> from the New Testament showing up in the Old Testament. Are we tracking? Okay, all right. So today we find uh, Jesus... In Psalm 22. But before we highlight all the specific ways that we see him there, we need to read Psalm 22 in its immediate context. In the context in which David wrote it. So King David, King of Israel, wrote Psalm 22 as what we call a lament, L-A-M-E-N-T. A A lament is just a a term for um, a a passionate expression of personal grief and sorrow. And as as we just read in Psalm 22, and we'll get into here in a little bit, today's going to be a bit heavy (laughs) because that's the nature of the beast here. That's the nature of what we're reading because uh, a thousand years before Jesus' crucifixion death, Burial, resurrection. Before that, King David, talking about his own life, foreshadowed what would be a real heavy moment for us, seeing Jesus on the cross suffering for us. So, this is a lament for King David. A thousand years before it applied to Jesus. And, and while we don't know the specific circumstances surrounding David writing Psalm 22, what is clear is this. We'll say it twice because this is important for us as we get into verse 1 here in chapter 22. What is clear is that David is suffering, and this psalm expresses the emotional sort of turmoil that's involved in trying to remain faithful while experiencing suffering and pain. Which, when you think about it, friends, is any adult human being who understands responsibility and is rational. we preaching yet? Listen to that again because it's important to understand before we jump into Psalm 22. We don't know the specific circumstances of King David writing Psalm 22, but what we do know is that it is clear that he is suffering and that he's experiencing the immer- emotional turmoil, uh, the emotional turmoil, the emotional turmoil, Uh, that is involved in trying to remain faithful while experiencing suffering and pain. You can hear it in verse 1, jump in, Psalm 22. It says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You may recognize this. As the last words of Jesus on the cross, we'll get there eventually, but first we understand David's vantage point. And we're going to kind of come alongside David's experience as we read the Psalm through the first time. So he starts out by saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned, why have you forsaken me? If you haven't yet lived long enough to experience this, you will. So buckle up and become acquainted with the Psalms of Lament because they can become for you an expression of that inner turmoil that happens when you begin to have, I don't know, normal adult life where day after day compounds as you as you weigh the responsibilities, as you're aware of the brokenness of the world of those around you and yourself, as that compounds to become what ends up being suffering and pain that even looks like what we're reading today. Which is to say, if you're a rational, adult human who understands the weight and responsibilities of normal, everyday life, my God, why have you forsaken me, doesn't feel like as far off a question as it may seem on the front It's a feeling of abandonment when you're trying to remain faithful while experiencing suffering and pain. And yet, nothing changes, there's no breakthrough, it's nothing but daily grind with no let-up, and as that compounds over life as a rational, aware adult human being, that begins to feel like hopelessness and despair. And when you're in the middle of that, and it feels like, well, I guess this is my life now, The feeling is, hello, Lord, the only one in the universe able to fix this. Here I am. Where's the fix? Feeling all alone against the universe, trying to be faithful, trying to do my best, but nothing's getting better. It's the daily grind with no let up. Where are you when I need you? is the feeling. Because the suffering that I'm going through needs relief. Only you can give, and I need some sort of relief and let up and breakthrough. But apparently, Lord, you seem to be cool with me just languishing in suffering, so thanks for that. Apparently, this is my life now. The scriptures say, I don't know if you think these kinds of things in these moments, but for me, when I'm in that hopelessness and despair of the everyday grind, I think, Lord, you give promises in Scripture like, you will never leave me nor forsake me. The Psalms say you love justice and that you won't forsake your saints. They say that even if my own mother and my own father abandon me, you will take me in. But, but I'm beginning to wonder if you're there at all and if you care at all. When you're in that place, and the stuff of life whether it's stuff that we would call extreme abuse and trauma or or the normal everyday responsibilities of life you can't come up with and 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 live up to that accumulate to, to pain and suffering when you're in those places my god my god why have you forsaken me begins to make sense That's where David was. Keep reading. Verse 1. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Like, why don't you listen to my cries for help, Lord? I cry by day, verse 2, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Meaning day and night, I cry for help. You don't answer. Seems like you're not listening. I search for rest in vain day and night. And yet, verse 3, you alone have power to save me. Like this is some cruel joke, Lord. Keep reading verse 3. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted like they trusted, and you delivered them. Why not me? To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Why not me? I've been trusting you. Why don't you deliver me? O oh, great one who has the power. That's sort of the tone and description of the lament here in verses 3 through 5. He says this, apparently, verse 6 I am a worm and not a man. Like I'm just trampled underfoot, like where worms live, right? But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised. By the people. All who see me, they mock me. They make their mouths at me. They wag their heads. They say things to me like, He trusts in the Lord, verse 8. Let Him deliver him. Let Him rescue him, for He delights in him. In the moments of despair, and the stuff seems hopeless, and the only one that can help doesn't seem to be there, Don't forget where you've come from, verse 9. Yet, yet, there's a glimmer of hope. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God. In other words, you have been a faithful presence from the womb. So please, Lord, don't give up. (laughs) There's a glimmer of hope there until it is not so hopeful sounding. Look at verse 11 and following. This begins to be a little bit more of the description of Jesus' crucifixion that David had no idea would be the case. Look at this verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Uh, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan uh, surround me. The bulls of Bashan were just big, big, And strong, well-known, they open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion says this. Listen, I am poured out like water, meaning like I'm empty and all my bones are out of joint, out of sorts. It's like I'm so I'm so undone. I'm so broken. I can't stand my heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is, is dried up like a pot uh, A pot shirt is just a, a pottery fragment. Um, so my strength is broken. And it says, my, my tongue sticks to my jaws. I'm thirsty. You lay me... Listen to this. This is a summary statement of kind of what's gone on there in the, the previous few verses. You, speaking to God, you lay me in the dust of death like the pain and the suffering and the hopelessness and the despair means, means I feel empty I feel weak I feel undone I feel broken I am thirsty nothing satiates me and Lord you have left me here to die keep reading verse 16 for dogs encompass me a company of evildoers encircles me. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they, they cast lots. Um, David is describing here, obviously, a situation where he feels uh, surrounded by trouble, hemmed in, and helpless in the middle of his pain and his suffering. Have you ever felt so uh, deeply defeated and depressed in the middle of, of abuse or, or oppression or suffering in a way that means that nothing fixes it? <laughs> Have you ever felt so deeply uh, defeated and depressed? And, and this is a window into to me, at least that you begin to feel like even nice people who are always nice, always encouraging, and always helpful, the kind of people you would never imagine being negative about and annoyed with. When I'm in that place of like despair and defeat, even the super nice, always nice, never think a, a, a bad thing about you, and I never would about them, they begin to annoy me just because they're being nice. Welcome to the darkness of Scott Wakefield's heart. I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with this a lot still. I've been following Jesus since before I knew there was evil, right? And I consistently struggle with feeling like there's a company, a company of evil doers that encircles me. And, and, and y'all just might as well go ahead and cast lots for my clothing. <laughs> just divide up my garments and take them. Which, by the way, wouldn't be all that helpful, wouldn't be all that special, because I've been wearing the same thing since college. <laughs> and I look pretty much this way every day. But this struggle for me is there. Don't get me wrong. Not because I don't have things to be grateful for. Like, I have a, I have a wonderful family into marriage. I have the privilege of serving an amazing church filled with hundreds of amazing people sold out to Jesus. But for me, there's this dark cloud of defeat that I struggle with that makes me feel like David expresses here that I'm a part of this this place where it's me against the universe and it's just a company of evildoers that encircles me constantly. That means that I often struggle with feeling like God is not with me in my suffering. Now think about this. As Jesus was innocently suffering on the cross, as the innocent sacrificial lamb was dying on your cross and my cross, his last words were Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about this. As the innocent, sacrificial lamb was suffering on the cross that we deserved, he identified himself with what David wrote 1,000 years before in Psalm 22. Why? To ensure that we got the message. Don't miss this. He said this to ensure that we got the message that he... Is the innocent sufferer who took on our sin so we don't have to? Jesus suffered so you don't have to. Jesus suffered so you don't need to. Isaiah 53. That we studied last week was written 700 years before Jesus. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. It says he was crushed for our iniquities. It says upon him, upon Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, upon him was the chastisement. It's another word for punishment. Upon Him was the punishment that brought us peace. With His wounds we are healed. It even says the Lord laid our sins on Him. 1,000 years after David wrote Psalm 22, 700 plus years after Isaiah wrote... Isaiah 53, and 20 years after Jesus died, Paul interprets all this history, Psalms, Isaiah, the people of God in the Old Testament, the life of Jesus, and he says, Christ he redeems us. He turns it around for us and redeems and buys us back from the curse of the law that we couldn't buy, our back, buy back ourselves from by becoming a curse for us. In Matthew 27, there are four verses that very explicitly refer back to Psalm 22 that we just looked at a little bit here. So look with me at Matthew, verse, uh, Ma- Matthew chapter 27, jumping in at verse 35. We're going to jump around a little bit. We'll put this on screen if you want to follow there. If you've got it open, look at Matthew 27, verse 35. It says, When they crucified him, this is Matthew looking back in the life of Jesus, when they crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, which shows up in what we read in Psalm 22, verse 18, where it says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Lots. Look at Matthew 27, verse 39. It says, And those who passed by, they derided him, they wagged their heads. This shows up in Psalm 22, verse 7, where it says, All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. Look at 27, verse 43, where it says, He trusts in God, this is the people, as he's on the cross, deriding him, saying to Jesus, He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him, for he said, I am the Son of God, go ahead. This shows up in Psalm 22, verse 8. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in God. And then look also at Matthew 27:46 About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sedactini, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which of course shows up in Psalm 22, verse 1. And what we read in Psalm 22, 14 through 16. There are descriptions there that sound like the kind of physical suffering that accompanies crucifixion. Think about how amazing that is. 1,000 years before, David writes of his own suffering with an immediate context that has nothing to do with crucifixion. And yet he somehow describes it in a way that shows that God's been planning this all along. Look at Psalm 22, 14 through 16 there. These are descriptions that sound like the physical suffering that accompanies crucifixion. It says, I'm poured out. I'm emptied like water and all my bones are are out of joint. That's that's verbalizing the brokenness that he's experiencing. That kind of uh, bones breaking is a part of crucifixion. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. He's dry. He's thirsty. John tells us that he said, even I am thirsty. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me, which was certainly the case with Jesus on the cross. They have pierced my hands and the feet, of course, on the cross. As his last words, Jesus picks Psalm 22, verse 1, to teach us that he was taking on the death and the suffering that we deserved. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The good news of Jesus, friends, is that He said those words so we don't have to. Even though He was innocent, He willingly gave Himself to experiencing the wrath of God against sin so we wouldn't have to. Think of that again. Let me say that again. If God is who He says He is, perfect, holy, altogether good and righteous, and we have rebelled against Him in sin, that it means that we deserve the wrath of sin justifiably from Him. And even though Jesus was innocent, He willingly gave of Himself to experience the wrath of God against sin so that we wouldn't have to. Friends, when we experience the, uh, even the normal compounded frustrations of life that turn into suffering and pain, it can feel like God has abandoned us. In this very body of believers, friends, we've got people who have experienced every manner of physical, relational, spiritual, sexual abuse you can imagine in ways most people have no earthly idea about. We've got people today Among us, who are struggling through abandonment by a spouse, yet another affair, physical illness... Financial burdens, personal addictions, trauma from the past, countless anxieties, voices from the past that never seem to go away, the pain of untold loss, quiet struggles that seem hopeless, physical infirmities that kill. It's, it's everywhere, friends. And when those struggles press and they compound over time and they begin to feel like straight up suffering, and the question is, Where are you, God? I cannot bear with this another day. So that you read Psalm 22 and you go, I I get it. I get it. You ever been there? Anybody there today? I've been there. Straight up for me. The daily weight of being a pastor, at least for me, is is absolutely crushing to me. I'm not playing. I daily struggle, for me personally, to stay afloat in a sea of negative voices of Pharisees from my past who constantly seem to condemn me of my failures and my inadequacies. And I begin to feel like, where are you? And I begin to feel this weight like everyone's spiritual health depends on me, which I know is irrational and stupid to say, but I feel it. Now here's the crazy part. <laughs> I've just described for you mine. You've got your own version. Every one of us has those things. Every one of us has, has weights that compound over time to become pains and sufferings. And the reality is, I I believe, that if we we laid out on the table what everyone here is going through, what I'm going through and what you're going through, my stress is probably not altogether much different than yours. Because I've told you this much. There's probably eh, that much. Just like you. If we laid it all on the table, mine's not much different than yours, and yours is not altogether much different than mine. Which means, friends, that if we can continue corporately as a body, together, as a community of people who, who place our trust in our faith in the Jesus who suffers for us, if we can, each one of us, individually say, I take comfort from the Jesus who suffered for me, then we can corporately be a comfort to one another as we live from that individual truth. We've all experienced This burden of suffering that feels like abandonment from God. But because of Jesus, we can say, like David does at the end of Psalm 22, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel, for He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him. From You comes My praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Even when we feel like all is against us, we can find comfort in a God who knows what it's like to suffer and whose plans for us are good. And we can rest knowing that we have the sacrifice, friends. Listen. We have the sacrifice of the righteous sufferer as our hope. You don't have the righteous sacrifice of your smarts, your financial means, your personal securities. You don't have those. You have alone a righteous sufferer who lived a perfect life for you. You couldn't. And that's what we take rest in, knowing that we have the sacrifice of a righteous sufferer as our hope. We're going to close by reading together 1st Peter the 1st chapter verses 18 through 21. We've been using this uh, throughout this series Uh, Because these verses emphasize that God has planned all along for Jesus to be your Savior. Think about that for just a minute here. God has planned all along before you even existed, before you even could mess it up to account for your sin by sending Jesus to live as a righteous and sinless life for you. We've been saying it this way. We'll put it on screen. We've been saying it like this each week. Before the foundation of the world, God planned to use the blood of Jesus to purify your soul. Before the foundation of the world, God planned to use the blood of Jesus to purify your soul, which is awesome truth in which we can take comfort. God is so good and He loves you so much that He came up with a way to account for your failings by placing the suffering you deserved on Jesus, who alone can handle it. And He did so before we even knew we needed Him. That's awesome truth. That's something we can live from. That's something we can hope in. So let's read this together from First Peter, the first chapter, 18 through 21, as if it's written to us. Let's read this together. I was ransomed from the futile ways inherited from my forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for my sake, who through Him is a believer in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that my faith and hope are in God. (laughs) When you feel abandoned, when you feel alone in your sin and shame, like there is no out and you have no recourse, remember, that God, the perfect, holy, sinless, God of the universe who created all that is, God did not abandon you, but sent Jesus to be the spotless Lamb to suffer for your sin. When, when you begin to understand <laughs> that God has prepared for your failings, accounted for your failings, um, before you even failed, that you can say, with Peter, with fellow believers, and because Jesus went to suffer on the cross so we don't have to. You can say, my faith and my hope are in the God who does not abandon us. Let's pray, friends. Lord, in the quiet of this moment, we admit to You anew that we have... Made the world after our image, for our purposes, that we've manipulated um, things around us and idolized relationships, abilities, things, in ways that ultimately make us the idols. So, Father, we admit to you again um, that we are weak that we in our frailty can only do so much, know so much. And so, Father, we want to uh, we want to actually revel and rest in our weakness that points to Your strength. For we could never have borne the suffering deserved for sin. And so we thank You, Lord, Lord, For accounting for us by sending your son Jesus, who took on for us the suffering we deserve. Father, we love you for that. We love you that in the person of Jesus on the cross, you did not abandon us. Teach us to live from that truth, we pray. name of Jesus.